Just days after the 9-11 attacks, two cousins and first-generation Americans from Afghanistan became targets at their grade school. Their friends went from not even knowing where Afghanistan was on a world map to viciously calling them terrorists. For these two, their world literally changed overnight. But then 12 years later, Leo and Jamal, with a great sense of humor, take on the name The Afghanimals. Their mission to literally race around the world, not once, but three times, and crush stereotypes, educate people about their culture, and have a lot of big laughs along the way. I knew I couldn't go back. Your you just life. put it out there. She said you've got less than a year to live. Just dug even deeper. Luck is the residue of design. Nobody else was doing it, so I couldn't. That was the turning point. Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Cogan. Every week I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators. People who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to ticket before you kick it. People don't know that people from Afghanistan are very hospitable. They're very caring. They're very giving. It doesn't matter if you're American, you could be German, wherever part of the world that you're at. If you come and visit a local uh, Afghan in Afghanistan, they'll take you in. Leo and Jamal are famously known as the Afghanimals, having appeared on The Amazing Race for three seasons. On season 23, they won two legs and came in fourth place. In the All-Star season, they won one leg and placed fourth once again. They're now on season 31, and you'll have to watch to find out whether they win this one. I caught up with Leon Jamal in Los Angeles and was faced with having to eliminate them one more time. Roadblocks and traffic jams caused some detours for these seasoned racers, but in the end, it seemed as if some over-attentive personal grooming by Leo got them off to a late start. When they finally arrived, Leo had a very low-riding shirt and a lot of chest hair popping out. All right, so let me do this. I am with Leo and Jamal. I am not eliminating them today. I am talking to them (laughs) on the Bucket Podcast here in Los Angeles. Good to have you guys here. I have eliminated you before. I didn't want to eliminate you again today, but you were late. And what was what's your excuse? Um, unfortunately, you know, that LA traffic, um, had some uh, exits shut down that we didn't anticipate. So instead of exiting one exit, we had to go three exits further and that just threw us off a bit, but luckily we're not in the race today. So <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> and may I say you're, uh, you're showing off <laughs> a, a lot of chest, um, a lot. uh, Jamal, how did you feel about this when you saw <laughs> This I to sort of comb the hair, you know, just try to make sure it's all fully positioned. <laughs> no, I know you like the chest, you know, I, so that's why I wore it, just for you. I'm going to say this. I have chest hair envy because I don't really have a lot of chest hair. But, dude, you are really advertising. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, I could, I could take some off for you if you like. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Um, so everybody knows you as Leo and Jamal from The Amazing Race, yes. uh, your fan favorites. Uh, I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to you guys because we get a chance to talk on the mat uh, at the end of every leg on the race, but it'd be kind of interesting to know more about you guys or share with people a little bit more about your backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And particularly right now in the political climate that we're living in, and I'm really interested to know what it's like to be of Afghani descent living in America today in 2019 so uh, your families come from afghanistan from from the 80s if i'm not uh, yeah, mistaken mm-hmm. yeah so can you tell us about your family history how did how did your family end up here 
Um, you know, it's the whole American dream. My dad left Afghanistan, went to Germany uh, for about 15 years. Um, then when he came to America, he met my mom. And um, at that time, you know, it was very easy to go back and forth. There wasn't a lot of um, strict restrictions as there is now. And then, you know, late 80s is when I when I come along. And then um, being being born and raised in uh, Los Angeles was was fun, was easy until, of course, September 11th. Then after that is when we got a lot of um, hate, a lot of remarks in high school, a lot of um, unnecessary comments, but that's, you know, ignorant people not knowing any better. T tell me about your family experience then. So your, your so, family also <clears throat> came in the eighties. Yeah. So my family, uh, my parents, they ended up, uh, immigrating here from Afghanistan as refugees during the Russian, uh, invasion of Afghanistan in the late eighties. So they came here as refugees. Uh, me and my younger brother were born in the States, but my other five siblings. So a total of seven siblings were basically raised in Los Angeles, California. And part of the experience as far as for them to come here and see the struggles that they went through to raise a family of seven, nine, and just to sort of really take in as far as the, what's at will as far as living that freedom and having that freedom here in the States. I, I think that's what motivated us as, you know, young Afghani Americans growing up and knowing that the motivation mm -hmm. part aspect was there as far as, you know, just making sure that we're successful we have this opportunity in the states that you know if we're back in afghanistan who knows what we would have been doing or we'll be alive and you know, that's one thing that i'm very grateful for is just having that opportunity of living in the states right now in america there's a lot of talk about immigrants there's a lot of talk uh, about people who are different um on amazing race one of the things we pride ourselves on is is having diversity mm -hmm. um you guys came on the amazing Ra race <coughs> proudly as uh coming from afghanistan yeah. right i mean you you wore that you you had no qualms about that in fact your nickname that you guys nicknamed <laughs> yourself is, is the afghanimals yes, um, and correct. and people when they think of you guys they think of fun loving guys with lots of energy and everything but um i can't imagine that sometimes it's i can't imagine that sometimes it's easy identifying yourself as having come from afghanistan in america yeah. even today I mean, it definitely, um, it's a testament to how we were raised, I guess, you know, like we were raised to have fun, to not really care what other people say about us or look at how they look at us. Um, you know, it's life is short, you know, there's, it's too little to, uh, to give up, you know, if you're just relying on what people say. So we definitely wanted to make, make a statement and show that, you know, Afghans, people from Afghanistan, regardless of where you're from in the world, you know, you can't stereotype someone. So we wanted to make sure that we set a good example for, um, you know, people from Afghanistan. And, you know, even though we weren't born there, we definitely wore it proud. And we did call ourselves Afghanimals because we just wanted to have fun and be respectful and run the race and, uh, with my cousin and just have a great time. Jamal, what, what do people not know? What are some of the misconceptions about people from Afghanistan? What, what, what do people assume when they hear you from Afghanistan that maybe they're sort of misinformed about? I think, you know, seeing everything in the news with the current situation that we've been in, having the longest war in Afghanistan in the U.S. history going on, what, almost 20 years, People don't know that people from Afghanistan are very hospitable. They're very caring. They're very giving. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're American, you could be German, where, wherever 
part of the world that you're at, if you come and visit a local uh, Afghan in Afghanistan, they'll take you in. You know, that's part of their local um, tribes. It's like a like a Ten Commandments for them as far as when you have any kind of foreigner that comes in your house or within your place, you have to take care of them. You have to make sure that they're fed before you're fed. You have to make sure that it's just that hospitality that they have that people, I think, don't really see that because all they see is war, all they see is fighting, all they see is what you see on the news. But until you really read a true, meet a true Afghan, um, they're fun. I mean, just like Leo and I. I mean, we like to have fun. We're, I mean, it's 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 a it's a situation. Unfortunately, that I remember growing up, I was in ninth grade. The first day of school, people would ask where you're from, and I would say Afghanistan. No one had no idea. This is back in 2001, um, right before 9/11. And then the next day when 9-11 happened, they're like, oh, oh you're from Afghanistan. That's, you're the terrorist. So, so it's a matter of days as far as people not knowing where the heck Afghanistan was on the world map. And then after the fact, you know, portraying Afghanistan as terrorists, which is not true. All of a sudden, people making assumptions. Yeah. I mean, I, I've experienced uh, it in, in, just from my accent. And I look like, you know, for the most part, I can walk down the street mm -hmm. and I'm just this white guy walking down the street. People would assume I'm from America. People yeah. would assume I'm not an immigrant, but I'm an immigrant yeah, as well, yeah. right? <laughs> and then sometimes you open your mouth, yeah. you start talking, you have an accent, and people will suddenly make assumptions. Mm -hmm. um, but for you, you guys are not just wearing it in terms of your history, but you're wearing it visually as well. Because you do look different, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're identified with a, with a different group of people, and I'm yeah. just wondering what that is like. How do you, it, how can you... It, it, it was it, it was a little tough because, you know, being kids in high school, you know, um, you didn't know any better. You know, we're just in high school. We're like, you know, it's not we're not adults yet. We're not in the, we're not thrown in the world yet. And then to go from one day, as Jamal said, not and not anyone knowing where Afghanistan was on the map or what what it, what it was, if it was a country or if it was a food dish or what. <laughs> <laughs> till the next day, all of a sudden, people calling you terrorists. Like someone in my yearbook wrote terrorist, you know, like who I thought was my friend. How, I and mean, I didn't. And at that time, I didn't even know what was going on. I'm like, what terror? Like terrorism? Like what is this? It doesn't make any sense. I didn't even know how to defend myself because it would just happen so fast. And all of a sudden, just by looking the way we looked, boom, you're a terrorist. So, look, people here the word terrorist, mm -hmm. they think of a certain group of people. People are racially profiled, right? I've seen it, I, I've been in lines with people, I've seen them targeted just because of how they look. Uh, I hear people making certain assumptions mm -hmm. about, the, uh, about Islam, about the, the Islamic uh, religion. Um, and, and I guess maybe it, it's a good thing to talk about because a lot of times when when terrorist acts happen if they happen if if they're if they're done by one group one religious group it's called terrorism and if they're done by another group it's called i don't know what are they called uh, mental extremist <laughs> mental behavior <laughs> can you talk about that cuz that happens in the media all the time yeah. fear sells you know like it's easier for the media to portray um, a culture or a religion that's not in the states you know, it's easier for them to portray because they're not in the States, you know, but if someone within America does something, you know, they're going to be lesser, um, like encouraged to say or put a, a certain name over somebody because, you know, this is America, like, you know, we're all here. We can't, you know, all of them automatically 
I guess, associate one with another here, but they're easier to do that overseas, you know, whether regardless of their religion or their race or their age or their sex, you know, it's easier for the media to do that because it's not in America. You know, I think that that would be harder to control with the fear, you know, once we say that. So just recently, this terrible shooting that happened in my hometown of Christchurch, New Zealand. Exactly, yeah. What, what I was, I was proud that the prime minister, our prime minister called it out straight away as a terrorist act, mm-hmm. which it was, Yeah. Um, which I thought was very important. The guy was from, from Australia, Australia. And, he, and he was a white guy and he walked in there and he had, you know, I'm just, that, that hatred scares me uh, on both sides. Yeah. Like, you know, because it doesn't matter what religion, you've yeah. always got extremists. We have, yeah. we've seen it in all religions, right? Throughout history. Um, and I'm, I'm concerned, and you guys have traveled the world like mm-hmm. I have, I'm concerned that every time these types of things happen and it's not called for, out for what it is, that we're, we're becoming more divisive. Yeah. The whole point of Amazing Race is to try to bring yeah. people together, right? <laughs> yeah. And do you mind me asking if you guys are religious? <clears throat> I'm not religious, no. You're religious? I'm Muslim, but I don't practice it. <laughs> Your family, Muslim? They're Muslim too, but we don't pray five times a day. Right. I mean, unfortunately. Well, I mean, look, I mean, I, I guess the, the reason I'm asking is that I've been doing a little bit more research into to trying to understand the religion in itself. Mm-hmm. And, and there are extreme, just as there are extreme versions of Christianity, oh, yeah. uh, where people are, I mean, really obsessed yeah. with their religion to the point where it really just takes over their lives. Obviously, that can also happen in the Muslim religion. But with your knowledge, because your family, obviously, you said is Muslim, what do we not know about the Muslim religion? Some misconceptions, maybe, about that religion that we should know. I think the biggest misconception as far as the Muslim religion is that it's not an aggressive uh, religion in Islam. It's really a religion of peace. You know, and they, if you read the Quran and they have translations in English, they, they portray peace as, as, as much as possible. And when people see people that are Muslim, they think that we believe in a different God, which is not true. We believe in Allah, with, which you translate that, it translates to God. There's only one God and his name is God. You ha- There's a hundred different names for him, but at the end of the day, it's just one God. And we still believe in Jesus as a prophet, you know, and I think that's a lot of people see Muslims and Christians like, oh, they don't believe in Jesus. No, we believe in Jesus as a prophet to God. So is it fair to say that the reason that people perceive the Muslim religion as a dangerous religion is because they see the extreme version of that? Is that, is that where it's come from? Is that I think there's a very small group of people in the world that are very small-minded that probably see the religion of Islam and being Muslim as a dangerous association um, to the world. But really, you know, in every any kind of religion you look at, any kind of race you look at, there's good and bad, and then you have the extreme. I want to learn more about what you guys do. Um, I, I know that you've spent some time in Afghanistan, right? Yeah. In your in your life, you yeah. you had some you were a, a active service there. Yeah, I, uh, fortunately for me, I was I did four tours in Afghanistan with the U.S. Special Forces and the U.S. Marine Special Operations Team back from 2009 to 2012. Thank you for your service. You're yeah. welcome. I, I mean, that I think was the most humbling experience for me was to go out there and get to see life outside of America. You know, and especially having my roots being from Afghanistan, I got a chance to go back and see what life was like you know back from my roots and and what were the things that surprised you 
it's a lot of poverty. You know, you go back to Afghanistan, there's a lot of poor people, you know, kids running around with no sandals, just barefoot, you know, with very thin clothing and it could be very, very cold, 40, 50 degrees outside. And, you know, it's, it's the lack of supplies as far as your normal necessities wasn't there. One of the other things that surprised me was that how beautiful Afghanistan is, you know, and all, I mean, yeah. it's, it's such a beautiful place. And I have so many different pictures and videos that I've taken that and I just saw a certain glimpse. But if, for people to really experience Afghanistan and the natural resources that they have, and it's, it's a beautiful place to visit. Unfortunately, the political climate and the security concerns makes it that not everyone could be able to travel freely there. But it's some it's a place that. Uh, if you have a bucket list, you know, that's, that's, if you want to go, Phil, I'll take you, I'll be your personal translator. I'll show you around. <laughs> well, I, I have, I have an interesting going because of the geography. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, I've also bought into the fear of media, yeah. you know, like all of us have, mm -hmm. you hear certain, the names of certain places and you think I can't yeah. go there. Um, I, I'd like to think that in our lifetime, we could feel like we could safely travel yeah, there. I agree. I got a chance to go out there and really experience what our soldiers our u.s soldiers go through on a daily basis i mean i was out there on the front line going on missions and the sacrifices that they made not just you know sometimes you know giving up their lives but most of the time just what they had to go through until you go to a foreign country you see a war with your own eyes and see what life is really really like you won't appreciate life in the states until you actually get that have you been to Afghanistan? Uh, unfortunately, I haven't had the pleasure of going yet, but I wish to go one day. Do you um, worry about going? Do you, when you think of it, do you think of it as, you know, being in danger? I mean, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of I, Afghanistan? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, like hope, the beauty. Like I hear stories from my parents and, you know, how they grew up, you know, in the 70s, 80s, you know, my mom was wearing a skirt and a tank top, you know, no one was covering themselves. It was really open. It was, they, was, they were fashionable. They had they had amazing trades, like the scenery, the just everything was People was don't amazing. understand that, right? Like the I mean, it's it's hard to understand cuz you know, we sort of lived in a closed box now and yes. what we and the picture we get is what we see on the news, you know? Luckily now with like social media, you could see the other side of it and you know, it's, it's a lot more open, you know, cause now people from Afghanistan are posting and you could see the actual, the beauty behind it. But going back to what you said, what I want to go there, my, one of my friends had just gone there and he was at a restaurant two hours later, there was a, a, a bomb. bomb that went off. So it's like a risky thing. Do I want to go there and like stay risk risk rolling a dice yeah it's like it's too risky like i have unfortunately right now um as you said hopefully one day we can all go um but right now i think it's just too risky it must make myself. you sad yeah i mean it must sad. make you tremendously sad that <clears throat> yeah that's your heritage yeah growing up the only people that spoke my language was my family and my and and like my cousin one day in college i heard someone um, sp speak my language and I'm like I like my my ears like explode I'm like no way like there's more of us <laughs> so imagine going back to Afghanistan and hearing everyone speak your language and like, speaking of languages you speak how many languages um three to four <laughs> I speak five languages and uh, being able to speak the languages from our from our ancestors and our, of our parents, I mm -hmm. think is the biggest thing that we could be proud of is- How do you keep them alive? You, you know, it's hard, you know, to keeping languages alive, you have to practice it every day. Unfortunately, for me, I'm primarily speaking English. I have a little four-year-old that 
unfortunately i'm just speaking english with her but she knows farsi you know i'm, I'm teaching her and she she understands it she speaks it here and there but it, I, I feel like languages will end up dying out unless you practice it daily and it, your partners are are they uh do they also have an afghanistan uh, afghanistan connection so my wife is uh born in new york but she's from afghan heritage as well and i was fortunate enough to find her find her i meet her <laughs> <laughs> i found her in the woods no, she was, i was there i was just walking down and, and look this woman was lost and i said she had a burka i couldn't really tell how she was and then i said i'll pick the blue one you come here <laughs> wow well, uh, so you're happy Happy? I'm happy. I'm you happy. Four-year-old kid, four-year-old daughter. Uh, I mean, that's that's my motivation. He was really life. happy. He took the book off. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> no <laughs> jackpot. <laughs> my beautiful wife Tammy. Fortunately, I, I got a chance to meet her at the mall in Augusta, in, in in Atlanta, Georgia, when I was going on the way to Afghanistan. So sometimes in life, you just meet people, and you meant to you, meet them. Yeah, I mean, the most least expected way. Instead of trying to push it and trying to find your next, or not your next spouse, but your potential spouse. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 you know, you're we could have now. four yeah, wives. Yeah, right you now, you're, you're done. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What about you? What's yeah. going on with your love life? I mean, you're advertising. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you want to stick key up? Call I've this been, number I've, now. I'm advertising for you, Phil. <laughs> Sorry, is there going to be a number that we put here? It's tattooed on my chest. As, yeah. as soon as the podcast goes, keeps going lower, the phone number is going to get exposed soon. Just blur it out, please. All right. All right. So seriously, what's going on? Uh, no, I'm single. I'm just You're, busy with Are you with looking work. for love or it's not really a priority? You know, I think I'm always looking for love. We'll yeah. see. Maybe I'll find love on the race this season. But, but what we do know about you is you're you're quite the entrepreneur, yes. right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and tell us about what you're doing day to day. What's taking up your time? Um, so my time mostly right now involves my businesses. I own uh, three bars in uh, Old Town, Pasadena. Yeah. So you know the, the the chest hairs are flowing as well as the drinks. <laughs> All you need is a nice big gold chain. I'm serious. That it's would coming. look good on you. A diamond yeah, chain. Yeah. Once you get the fourth restaurant. Um, so you guys said that about getting back on Amazing Race that you really felt like you'd won the lottery again. Uh, not many people could say that they got a chance to experience the Amazing Race, you know, just one time. One but for time. us, I mean. It wasn't a, an opportunity of a lifetime for us. It happened in three lifetimes. I mean, we got a chance to race three times, which is unheard of. One of very few selected teams to do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we knew what was at stake. And, you know, I felt like that was a blessing, you know, just to get a chance to do it with your cousin, your best friend growing up and being teenagers, looking, watching the show and saying that one day we're going to apply on this show and we're going to get you know, on there, whatever happens. We turn 18, we're like, all right, let's apply now. And then we we're like, you know, we don't have any kind of life experience. We're not going to get picked. So he went on to USC. I went over to Afghanistan, came back, and we're like, all right, there are open casting calls. Let's do it now. Well, now we have a life experience. We made a heck of a video audition uh, tape, and the rest was history. So tell us about the connection between you two, your, your cousins. <coughs> yeah. So how are you related? Which um, is your... So uh, our moms are sisters. Your moms are sisters. Yeah, and and I, what was it about? Because you've got this great friendship. You guys, mm -hmm. I mean, you bicker and yeah. carry on we've seen that <laughs> but at the end of the day you you love each other yeah. deeply i mean you can see you really care about each other so what was it that well growing up i had two uh i'm a family of three kids two yep. sisters i didn't have a brother 
Uh, he lived down the street and he was my age. He, of course, had several brothers and sisters. But what do you mean, of course? <laughs> <laughs> when there's no TV in <laughs> Afghanistan, <laughs> you pop babies. <laughs> they're, they're breeding like crazy. Yeah, they are. Bunnies. Well, your family was. So, okay, so he's down the road. He's down the road. You don't have a brother. Don't have a brother. Your sisters are mean to you? No, they were nice. No, okay. Yeah, you know, so, but, but growing up, you know, like I was there's so much girly stuff I could do, like combing their hair and painting their nails. <laughs> Did you so, get into that? <laughs> Can't no. you tell by the outfit? <laughs> Did you hear that nervous laughter? And by the I way, totally acceptable. <laughs> I'm not judging you. If you want to comb the hair of Barbie or whatever it is you want to I have nail polish in my backpack. If you want. <laughs> He's the new Zohan. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come clean here and tell you that there were times where there were not young boys to play with when I was a kid, and my sister and her <laughs> friends decided I had long hair down to my shoulders, and I, I, I'm just, look, I'm just gonna be comfortable with it and tell you, they did plait my hair once. Oh, nice. man. Yes, I ne they never let them paint my nails. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but- uh, I painted their nails, I braided their hair. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. And if, one time I remember I wanted to comb my sister's hair so bad and she didn't let me, so then like I started crying and my mom made her let me comb her hair. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing else to do. He wasn't at home, so I couldn't crawl out of the street. <laughs> People love to watch you guys. They love, they love the dynamic, and um, um, you bring a little levity to it. Yeah. And and I think um, you know you really have what you've really done is you've just opened people's eyes up to again this idea of diversity on Amazing Race. When you think of Amazing Race, do you think of diversity? Because I'm thinking of of other shows, whether there is as diverse a cast as we've had on Amazing Race. You think about it. I mean, for The Amazing Race to not just cast us once, but three times, that really shows the diversity and the ability for them to take a risk on us. You know, I mean, the safest bet was to go pick people that are, you know, the, your mo more common you know, people that you will see in the U.S. But for us, I mean, for us to get casted <laughs> with beards and chest hair growing like there's no other. But, I mean, for us to be on there three times, it, it, it's, it's a show that exemplifies diversity you know not just from the cast that they you know or the contestants but where they travel they take risks they go to different countries that are out of the norm even though the security situations may not be as safe but they want to show that that certain country that we visit is not just what you see on tv you know it can still be safe they still have good cultural customs that are pretty unique to us and that I think it's a, it's a fun experience. Yeah. One of the things that I say to people what I love about Amazing Race is that we get to show what is right about <coughs> the world yeah. rather than what's wrong. And, and if all you're seeing is what's wrong with the world all the time in mainstream media, mm -hmm. then how could you ever assume that it's safe to travel? And I think that's like a reason why we've been coming back is because we exemplified those um, attributes of these countries. You know, a lot of times you would see on the, on the race, you know, some people, hey, I don't speak English, I don't speak English. No, like, you know, we, we would do our research and learn the language and say it in, in their um, respective um, languages, you know? Mm. It's like, you, have, you can't, we, like, you know, with the media, and you can't be ignorant to what's going on in the world. You have to do your research. You have to, you know, sort of dive in be with respectful. the culture. Be you, very you, respectful, you, of you course. You can't feel like the world revolves around you. Yeah. You have to go revolve around wherever you're at. Right. I always tell people, imagine you're visiting someone's home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they ask you to take your shoes off yeah. because it's customary for yeah. you, for them to have to take their shoes off. 
You don't fight that. Yeah. You take your shoes off. But even before that, if you walk in and you see there's a line of shoes, you yes. know, like, you know, you yeah. know, like, you know, because going into like Indonesia, like, OK, you don't you've never been there. But if you see what people are doing, if they're all holding on to the rail, going up the stairs, you're going to follow their lead because you don't know any yeah. better. You know, before someone tells you, hey, don't do that. Don't do this. You should be alert and aware of your surroundings. And that's, a, I think, what me and uh, Jamal did really well, you know, like growing up we were like lived down the street from each other and we didn't have social media. We didn't have phones. So we would make up our own games with water balloons. We would like do the craziest things, you know, and, and that's why we did so well in the race. Cause we were in this little bubble in Torrance and now that bubble exploded. Now the whole world was our playground, but you know, being immigrants, we still had that respect and we understood what we had to do when we were on the world. So it was definitely a blessing. So when you came back on season 31, you got to race against, people from Survivor, Big Brother. Mm -hmm. What did you think when you saw Rupert? You know, you, you, Rupert was very confident <laughs> oh, in the beginning yeah. with his, he, you know, we're tough, we're from Survivor. Survivors are going to work. And he, 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 you know, he was, he was calling everybody out and yeah. saying how tough they all were. But what, what did you, yeah, he's a great <laughs> he's character. What did you guys think when, when you found out about this opportunity to go get up against some of these other characters? I, I feel like for Leo and I to get that opportunity to race amongst all the reality shows and combine them into one really got a chance to show that it's not just being on an island it's not just being living in, inside a house that the race consists of a lot of different variables that you have to make sure that you're operating at a high level in order to be successful mm -hmm. and one wrong move one wrong taxi one wrong sense of direction you're in, you're in the back of the pack mm -hmm. you know and i feel like for teams that struggled on season 31 are probably the ones that don't have a lot of travel experience outside of their normal bubble that they live in but for leo and i i mean like on my instagram i put on that i'm a world travel cultural enthusiast you know, i like to learn about different countries i like to learn about different customs you know when i travel aside from the race you know and just being able to go when i was working in afghanistan we went to kuwait i went to the emirates and just all over the middle east just to really experience what life is like outside of the states yeah same with you we oh yeah 100 percent. it's um it, like it was surreal like the first we did season 23 got called back for season 24 it the was next fresh. day yeah it was it was fresh in our head so we're like oh let's do it but now you know four years later like you know now he has a family i'm like have these businesses and like they call me like what <laughs> really like what's going on is april is like april fools <clears throat> But, you know, then we talked. I'm like, dude, this is this is like happening. Like, yeah, I'm 100 percent down. And then when they finally gave us the 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 100 percent you guys are on, like, wow, like unbelievable for us not to be able to do it not only once, twice, but for a third time. And now as with the best of the best from Big Brother and the best of the best from Survivor. And then, you know, the best of the best of the best of the best from Amazing Race. The best of the best of the best. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, look, Amazing Race fans, have, uh, some have really embraced this idea. Obviously, people who watch all three shows have really embraced the idea. Mm -hmm. But we have some we have some old school <coughs> Amazing yeah. Race fans. Can, can, I, can I address that, Phil? Yeah, I'd like, to I'd like you to <laughs> yeah, address it. But let me say my part about it yes, first. Yes, please. I, I think at its core, I think Amazing Race is all about people going out for the first time like you guys when you went out for the first time mm -hmm. and you're like fish out of water and you go into the situation and I think it is a once in a lifetime opportunity so I get that My, what I say to people is listen we're 31 seasons in we're trying to mix it up yeah. we have fans that would love to see this 
mashup. Yeah, yeah. So give it a shot. Yeah. We can't please everybody. <clears throat> exactly. But at its core, I do agree that Amazing Race, at its core, the, the reason that the format has always worked is because of who you guys were when you were on your first season. Exactly. Yep. And, and, the, and the David and Marys from season 10, yep. and, the, and the, the people who have never owned a passport and never yep. traveled, those people who are fish out of water. Now you have your say. Now, Phil, with that being <laughs> your said. Your rebuttal. <laughs> I, think, I think just you know, reading some comments from people on social media saying that you know, for CBS and the Amazing Race to cast normal people. Yeah. I don't know. We're oh, not normal people. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. oh my God. I mean, we're as normal as it gets. I, I, can I just uh, go ahead? Because this is where imagine. Yeah. But um, because uh, I'm speaking for the people. Yes. By the people. No. Um, <laughs> I think I think what they're oh, I think what they're saying is yeah normal. And I've I've pulled them up on this yeah. uh, as well. What does it mean to be? Because uh, I yeah. would not yeah, describe exactly. you guys as normal. Yeah. I'm just saying, because you are a little, oh boy, <laughs> you guys are a little out there, but I don't think anybody who comes on a race, amazing race is what, what you might call normal. They're, yeah. they're, they have to have a personality. They have something to be out there. Yeah. Them. Something Kenton wrong with Vixen. Them. Yeah. You know, uh, think of Kenton yeah. Vixen when they came on, yeah. or do you remember Sarah, yeah, of course. Yeah. The, the, the triathlete who yeah. was an amputee? I mean, this woman, exactly. she's out there, but so I, I guess what I think what they're saying is people who, maybe have never been in the limelight. I think that's what the meaning is yeah. more than normal because gosh, if you put a bunch of so-called normal, that could be like going to an ice cream store yeah. and the only flavor is vanilla. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it, the first time we went on, I remember reading a lot of things. Oh, how dare they put Afghans on like, my, you know, like we're fighting uh, them in Afghanistan. You know, that just shows like how close-minded yeah. they are. I'll raise my like, hand and be like, know? yeah, I did four tours in Afghanistan yeah. along you know, with the like, Special Forces. It's, it's, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you guys, but I'm that, American. I, listen, just to, to the point again, <laughs> again, this is all the more reason why it's so important to, put to have the diversity. Yeah. Yeah. I believe Amazing Race was the first show to have an openly gay couple show affection to each other yeah. with the Guidos in season one. And we could talk in, 2001 yeah right? amazing race and, and think of how the first. world was so different mm -hmm. yeah yeah and, the, and trendsetters that, pioneers to say the least amazing race really hands down took that first step and they always thought outside the box yeah. they didn't yeah. go with what the normal media was thinking or what was the safest bet to do mm -hmm. they always took that extra step and took risks sometimes it pays off sometimes it doesn't but you have to 31 seasons later you, know, you have to you, and you have to adapt you know i get i get what you were saying with people wanting normal people but normal people <laughs> like I get it, but you have to have some sort of personality to be able to, like, you know, put this whole show on your backs. Have a yeah. camera you know, in your easy. face with light. Like, yeah. how are you going to react to that? You well, know, you I, have to. Th that's that's another good point. I mean, look, the f the format is is amazing. We have an incredible team putting it all together. But we all know, at the end of the day, no matter how well we shoot the show, no matter where we go, no matter what challenges we have, you guys do unless we get good reactions from you, yeah. we have no show. Yeah, you need content. Because you guys are writing our script. Yeah. The, what you say becomes the transcript to what we cut together, yeah. the thread of the story. And if we get ordinary- You get vanilla flavors. And, and we get vanilla, <laughs> you know, that's boring TV and we're off the air. You got 11 teams of vanilla all holding hands, skipping to the finish line. <laughs> Here, you lost <laughs> your passport. Let me give this to you. Phil, yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna look over the side who came in first, <laughs> like it's a tie. So <laughs> you come back for season 31 and I'm at the mat and I'm, you know, it's like the first check-in and I figure, oh, well, you, you're married now. You got a four-year-old and you got your three bars and your business. And I have a cat too. 
and, and a cat. And Chessie. And, and I figure, well, they must have matured, these Afghan animals. You know? And I literally hear you guys from like a mile away, screaming. And today, here we are. We're all set up in this beautiful, peaceful studio. And like a mile away, I hear you guys coming up the stairs. It's still it's like animals so in the jungle, letting, letting their calls know. Yeah, we the lions. We're you know, here. We gotta know. We gotta let it, uh, it's like, you know how dogs pee in the, I didn't pee in the hallway. But oh, that we, wasn't we, you? <laughs> we, we roar. Where are you going with this? What? <laughs> We're marking our territory. Afghanimals are here. Uh, you know, making sure you're aware. At, at the expense of your ears. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the questions that we always get, you know, that I get a lot is, what, what does it take to be good on The Amazing Race? And I always say, hell, I don't know, because everybody is, is so different. Yeah. And some relationships, you think they're dysfunctional, but mm -hmm. somehow they work. But if you were to answer that question, what, what would you guys say? A lot, a lot of people always ask me and, you know, oh, I'm not in shape. I have to lose this much weight. Oh, I got to, you know, brush up on my history. I'm like, it's not even like that. You have all shapes, all sizes. It doesn't even, it, Amazing Race is so good at what it does that it doesn't matter. I mean, that stuff do, will help you if you're on a sprint, like in there towards the end, that'll yeah. help. But if you're good at every other task and you shouldn't be neck to neck with another team. But a lot of, I would say is patience is probably number one. Um, you know, not getting caught up with reading the clue too fast because that's what always messes you up, not deciding who does what. Patience is probably key because you'll get a taxi, eight, eight, eight teams will go one way, and your taxi driver, oh, I got a shortcut. Now you're on a shortcut, and all of a sudden that exit's closed, and the next exit's closed. And then you're late 15 minutes <laughs> in the interview. Yeah, and, and, you you know, and, and you're, you're rolling last. the dice. You're rolling the dice every time you get in a cab because yeah. Yeah. you don't you the know you're going to get a good driver, yeah. bad driver. That's my word. That's like I, number one thing is the taxis. You know, I, I think for make or break you to be good at not just good to be great on the amazing race, you have to be able to adapt on the fly. And what I mean by that is that you may have eight hours of sleep on one leg of the race. You may have four hours the next. You may eat for, you know a bunch of food within a span of 24 hours, or you may not eat for two days. And you, you have to be able to adapt your body to that. So what are some things, uh, without going too inside, but what are some things from your perspective, because I've obviously never run as a, as a team, what are some things that people don't know uh, about the race? For instance, oh, uh, I'm guessing, you know, those long plane rides, yeah. like what that's like, or like some things that, again, we don't want to uh, break the fourth wall yeah. too much, but just give a sense of what are some things that people don't know? I think one of the biggest insights to racing on the race is that each team has a camera and audio guy. And these camera and audio guys have to constantly, if you're running full speed, guess what? They have to be 20 feet ahead of you with a 50 pound camera. And then the audio running guy, ha yeah, running backwards, trying to record you. And the audio guy has his backpack of battery packs and everything, another 40, 50 pounds. And they have to stay ahead of you as well. So they're not in the shot. So. I think that's the biggest thing and each each leg the teams for the camera crew gets switched around so it could just be fair across the board that it's not just one camera crew assigned to yep. one team and nobody can say oh that yeah. guy's faster yeah. exactly than that guy. or, exactly so i think my hat goes Shout off. out to all the camera, yeah, and camera and audio crew guys. and There's audio one right there right there 14 seasons of amazing there race you right go. there that's 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 that's, that's and that's, they are the heroes of they our are. show yeah. i mean that, i mean we need you guys to tell the story like to, to but we need them to capture to, it. to capture it and they literally carry the, the show on their shoulders. I mean, they have multiple cameras. You open up their jacket. They got small GoPros. Yeah. They got everything you can think of. It's like, what yeah. you want? I got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, attaching it to the taxi, attaching it to your scooter. 
And these guys are you know, professionals. You know, there's little drone. You know, there's flying yeah, drones. Flying drones. You. Yeah. Underwater well, cameras. Listen, that's going to happen real soon. I'm telling you, I just had a conversation with Scott about that yeah. last night with these new drones that can track yeah. you. Mm -hmm. And I have a exactly. feeling the future around. amazing race. Yeah. They're probably going to be like, hey, guys, go have a beer. Yeah, exactly. We got you covered with the drone. High altitude. <laughs> hey, that'd be good for us. Jamal, just follow, follow the drones. Go <laughs> inside <are>. the building. <laughs> so true. Anything else inside information? Again, we'll, we'll be able to edit out anything if you go too far. But um, like, I would say everyone's like, oh, like, how was that country? I'm like, it was how you saw it on TV because they think like after when when they cut, like we're touring the the, the city. It's like, no, but once it's cut, you're, you know, you're secluded. You can't talk to any of the teams. You're in a hotel room and that's it. Yeah. Talk about that because I, I hashtag 12 shows, 21 days. Roughly, we shoot a season in 21 days. And, and people, they try to do the math on that and they go, well, hold yeah. on a second. You're doing like over 25,000 miles. Once we did 75,000, yep. season five, we did 75,000. And, you, and go, to go around the equator, I think is 24, 25,000. Mm -hmm. And you're zigzagging, you're yeah. going from country to country. It, just describe what that's like. Because for me, it takes me two weeks to sort of process <laughs> what's happened. Yeah, I, I think when you're racing, people don't understand it's not just from one episode to another episode and just a matter of a split second we're in that country. Like for instance, this season 31, we went from LA to Tokyo. And that's a five, six hour, well, more than a five hour flight. Like it was like 11 hour flight, but that's the hardest part is to stopping your brain from not racing, which is impossible because you're still constantly mm -hmm. thinking about the race and oh, what's that team doing? Yeah. What's this team doing? And just the jet lag that you get. And then once you get dropped off at that country and now you're like, all right, race. You know, there's no yeah. prepping, there's no stretching. There's nothing It's like, all right, once we check in, we get our passports cleared, Boom. start racing. It's, 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 it, you're in Los Angeles, right? English, America, you know, you got culture eight, shock. You, you, you know, your, your, your burgers, your in and out, you know, US, US currency. All of a sudden, 11 hours goes by in literally like one hour, right? Because your adrenaline is pumping. This is the first, the first, first day of the show. You see teams getting up, talking to people. What are they doing? What are they doing? So you can't rest. Right. You know? You're paranoid it, it, that you're, they're getting some inside information. Exchanging money, whatever. Like, you know, you're super paranoid. It's it's in, intense. And then you find, oh, what'd you find out? What'd you find out? Now you're yeah. trying to mingle, trying to, you know, make make teams and whatnot. And then you land, all of a sudden, we're not America anymore. It's just, just Japan. And you quickly know it's Japan, you know? And it, from a blink of an eye. Like, I remember when we were um, um, on the airplane, like, there was sand from Hermosa Beach. Or can I say how much? Right. Yeah, yeah, they already yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, we know. So, so there was sand from a homeless beach. <laughs> but it, that that we, you that do that bring up an interesting <laughs> point, right? <laughs> See how we're all on guard. Can, can, can we say that, right? It's like you have to live with these yeah, secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyway. like living. Now imagine, like right now, the little nerve that I just went through. Now imagine that the whole race. Yeah. On the airplane. Oh wait, sh don't say that. They're they're looking. Oh, you know, it's all mind games. It's just the, the other, amazing. The other thing that people don't know too is on a lot of reality shows, they get prepped for a challenge. Yeah. So all the contestants turn up to a challenge and they say, okay, everybody, uh, first thing is you're gonna run over here, you're gonna leap over that. Then you're gonna go over here, put this on, do that, jump oh, over there. No. Then you go to here, they turn around, come back, do the same thing. On Amazing Race, you literally rip, read the, um, rip and read the clue. And, you and then it, boom. Yeah, that's it. And you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. For, for the Amazing Race, there's no trial and error. I mean, you rip the clue and that's it. That's game on. And one of the things that people don't understand, they always ask is that, is this scripted? There's nothing scripted. Nope. You know, we have an amazing team that does the editing and the storytelling, but it's everything that we've said and they edit it. There's no retakes So Leo say that again. Leo, show your chest hair better, you know, show them. Oh, stand by one second. Leo, could <laughs> you show your chest hair better? 
<laughs> yeah, because that's what we do on this show. <laughs> no, but you're right. But it's it's, not, it's it's real. It's real. Yeah. And yeah. we in that authenticity, <clears throat> our viewers have come to know their authenticity on Amazing Race, and that's something that you know we all pride ourselves mm-hmm. in. Right. So apart from Leo and Jamal, favorite Amazing Race team in history. Ooh. I like the Globetrotters. I, I think they were just as fun as us going out, interacting with the crowds, the locals, you know, having basketballs, just playing with them and spinning balls off their fingers. I think they were fun. <laughs> I think one of the most favorite moments for me was that when we're in uh, Oberto, Italy, oh, yeah. we're running down this bridge and we just found out that we got U-turn. So for me and Leo, it was like, damn, this is another U-turn, but we're going to get through it. And at that moment, I really wanted to take it in. So I grabbed Leo, I stopped him. I was like, take this in. I was like, and then the camera guy just did a perfect like 360 view of us. And he took that, it looked it looked surreal. I mean, it looked like we're in a movie and just we're on a bridge. We see this castle, we see the mountains from a distance. And we we still knew we got a U-turn, but yet we didn't let, yeah, let you, loose You can't let stuff like that get in the, mind, uh, in the way of this yeah. beautiful experience, you know? As you said, like we're in this world, like we're going around the world and we're gonna take everything. It's a world, yeah. a world stage. And yeah, think about stage. your four-year-old daughter mm-hmm. has all these amazing videos of of her dad yeah. that will live forever, I where mean, she can watch what you were doing before she was born. And you know yeah. now, I mean, yeah. it's pretty amazing. That's some expensive home videos. Some, <laughs> let's put it this way: That's some be, Emmy award-winning videos. Yeah. I'll be the coolest dad in show tell in her elementary school. <laughs> yeah, let's right. put it that way. My dad <clears throat> went yeah. with his cousin. 25 different Hairy countries Leo. Yeah. <laughs> all around the world okay so i got a couple of questions for you guys a, a road trip if you guys were going to take a road trip uh across america and you could take a, uh, three people in the car with you people who are alive or dead uh people from the past who would you take with you in the car three people that i'll go on a road trip with would first be kobe bryant um uh, kobe bryant barack obama and take my wife nice yeah i think i think i think that that road trip and the reason why is that kobe bryant's been my idol growing up as a kid just to show that competitiveness state of nature and just you know growing playing up playing basketball growing up and just he's been my role model all right what about your road trip i would say first um my dad um he's definitely made me who i am and taught me everything so i owe him that um is your dad still alive yeah yeah definitely yeah You'll see him tonight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. With drinks in his hand and party. Full disclosure, we're going to have a little celebratory dram in the speakeasy tonight. Anyway, yes. Um, yeah, my dad, I would say um, Elon Musk. Um, he's just doing a lot of cool amazing, things. innovative things. He and might then... even bring a joint along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Knowing him. <laughs> he might tweet some stuff out yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Do some random thing. Uh, anyway, yep. And... You had all this time to think. Exactly. What, what's wrong with you exactly. here? Exactly. You know what I'm My saying? Point. I mean, don't okay, deliver I was, was going to say Obama, but then he said Obama. But, I was but you can Obama. take him. Can Obama take loves road trips. <laughs> <laughs> he loves going. And with you guys, he'd love it. I would say I would say Obama as well. He's recyclable. Can I take he a is. pet? Can I take a pet as well? You can take it, Michelle. You can a take pet. a pet. No, you can take Michelle. Oh. Obama. She cool. Yeah, well, Michelle would be cool. Michelle okay, be cool. If, if Obama's on... Uh, She's already taken, baby. Taken, already well, you actually, you could take Michelle Obama on the, the audio book. Yeah. So oh, she, yeah, yeah like she's true. in yeah, the car. And, yeah, exactly. And you pack that. Okay. And I'll, and I'll take I love my you, cat, Obama. Pablo. And I love Pablo? You. My cat. Kobe. Oh, wow. Love Pablo. Uh, all right. And last day on earth. What would you do with it? Last day on earth, I'll go on the highest peak of whatever mountain that I see. And jump off. 
Yeah, no. <laughs> I just shoot myself <laughs> in the head. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? No. This is meant to be an uplifting, inspirational thing. All right, you're you gonna, said it like, wait, how <laughs> only the Afghan animals would be you leaping go off. You go first. <laughs> Let me what? think about this. <laughs> How about, how about you, Phil? Me? Yeah. Definitely, I'm going to be with my... I want to be with my family. Yeah. I'd like to be in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like... Uh, there's a particular beach that, that, I, that I go to. I'd love to be there and just have everybody that I, that I really care about with me. Yeah. And... But don't you think that's a little, like, sad, too? Like, you don't no, want to... Like, you don't, you no, maybe, because I'd be like... I, because I would be like, okay... I, maybe I, you want to push them off the mountain first. So like, the, the I'm coming lessons. right after you. You go I first. I don't want to push anybody <laughs> off any mountains. All right, let me see. There's, right, let me there is you, another let me adult in the room. Like, right. <laughs> he's a father. He's got a four-year-old. So the last day on earth, I'll, the perfect scenario in that situation, I'll take my family, Sophia and my wife, Tammy, to Laguna Beach. That, and the reason why is that that's a place that we always go to. It's mm-hmm. very beautiful, it's scenic, you know, watching the sunset. I think just being close with them three, you know, and anyone else wants to come, they're more than welcome, but please don't mess up this party. Can I advise that maybe you just think twice about bringing your cousin? Because yeah, keep on like, pushing. Hey, this, this is great for There's a big cliff over there. Yeah. <laughs> you go try it out first. Let me know how it is on the bottom. No, I would, I, as I said, with my family, anywhere in the world, you know, as long as I'm with them. You know what? You should stick with your cousin because I think you can learn a lot from him. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I really, you. Phil. I, you're my I think he, he will make you a better. Why do you man? think I brought that's, him along the race? I, just, I <laughs> yeah. knew I. There's something final about question. Phil. I knew it. The <laughs> I knew first day I met him. I Fi- knew it. Final question. <laughs> Don't go there, Phil. <laughs> did that shirt come like that, or did, <laughs> <laughs> or did you get scissors <laughs> and cut it down? A U shape. Because <laughs> I've got to tell you, I've never seen such a low rider. It's a deep. That well, is. Well, Phil, that thing is. It's not a shirt. It's a thong. It's just happens. It's a, it's a, it's a fashionable thing, top, okay? He's wearing it's, his thong over his shoulder. It's actually uh, very fashionable because it gets hot. Who are you hot. talking to? <laughs> All the single ladies? What are you doing? Uh, yeah. All right, man. Thank you I'm so gonna much. You, I'm going to have you a tank top tonight. Yeah, Which color do you want, Phil? What size? Tonight we celebrate. Tonight I see the chest. <laughs> Phil, could you really say that you've laughed this much with anybody in the past, or is this one of the top? I do feel like I've been drinking, and we haven't even had a drink. <laughs> you don't need no drinks with us. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To see more great interviews, go to philcogan.com and subscribe to Bucket with Phil Kogan wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider rating and reviewing us, and follow Bucket, that's Bucket with an I-T, on Instagram and Facebook. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Phil Kogan. See you soon.